It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Oh, my. Okay. Anyway, I think it's working now. Uh, let's go ahead and get started because i got a lot to talk about, and I want to cover some things that are really important before Passover, and I want, I want it to be real clear, okay? I'm going to start off. We're going to talk about something. We're going to talk about words, okay? Words have meaning. Uh, I saw a lawyer one time talking to some people, and uh, there was a TV on in the background, and someone on the TV said a word, but obviously the lawyer did not understand what that word meant. He just turned right around and went over to a, a dictionary that he had handy there, looked up the word, and I watched him. There was a, several people talking, and you know, they didn't miss him, but it was interesting because he got this dictionary and looked up the word, and he started saying the word. He would say the definition, and then he would use that word in sentences. He did this for a few minutes. Set the dictionary up, came back to the conversation. That made an impact on me. Now, words have meaning. And the meaning of those words are very important. Now, let me interject this. If you look at doctrinal problems, scriptural, um, um, anyway, um, what happens, people start trying to redefine definitions. You know, we've talked about uh, between the two evenings, things like that. People start trying to redefine. In fact, the Bible very clearly in three different areas defined between the two evenings. We've gone through that, and each one of those three areas agree. Okay? So what happens, people start trying to change the definition. If you change the definition of something, you can make whatever you're trying to define, you can make it anything you want. We can define day, okay? We can redefine it. Day is either a 24-hour period, right, a day, or we can say it's day outside today, right now, and that means there's light, I can see. But we can change that and say, well, no. Day means darkness. You can't see. That's not true. But if you want to redefine it, then you can adjust many things based on that. Okay? Now, do we follow the true meaning of words 
or are we flexible with the meaning of words? Okay? We try to follow the real meaning of it. Uh, I don't know what your... I don't know what this is. I don't know what a willful cult room is. And, you know, uh, we're not. So um, if you want to stay and listen, that's fine. Um, But let's go on. We look at Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread. We have that coming up very soon. Now, do we speak precisely? about Passover and unleavened bread, or are we sort of general? Well, Passover can be whenever. You know, it's it's however you want it to be. Let's go down and look at Exodus 12. This is important. If if there's nothing else that I've shown, I want you to understand that we have to be very careful with the words. Look at Exodus 12, we're going to read verses 21 through 24. Okay. Exodus 12, verse 21. It says, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and two side posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out at the door of this house till morning. For Jehovah will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, Jehovah will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in into your house to smite you. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance, to you and to your children forever. And it shall come to pass when you become into the land which which Jehovah will give you according as he hath promised that you shall keep his service, this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say in you what mean you by this service, that you shall say it is the sacrifice of Jehovah's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our homes. Okay? Let me ask you something. What's the most important thing here? What we just read. Is it the blood over the door? Which symbolized something. Or was it the actual passing over the firstborn? You were a firstborn, let me tell you. Passing over was more important and the symbolic bloodletting by putting the blood on the door. Okay? That's the absolute truth. Now, Passover. Passover equals passed over. Okay? Doesn't mean just sacrifice. It means being passed over. Now, and in fact, like we've shown, every year, since we've been on Paltox or wherever, we have shown that the Passover sacrifice was made at the beginning of the 14th. We've shown that from 
uh, Exodus 12. We've shown that from the Synoptic Gospels. Okay? Uh, and in fact, if you do it this way, remember I started talking about words. If you do it this way, all the words in Exodus 12, Deuteronomy 16, uh, all the Synoptic Gospels, everything fits. There's other places, you know, Leviticus uh, 23, different places where it talks about Passover, days of another, everything fits perfectly, okay? Now, let's go to Deuteronomy 16, verse 1 for just a second. Hold your hand here uh, because we're going to come uh, right back um, in just a second. But let's go to Deuteronomy 16. And we're going to come right back to Exodus 12, Deuteronomy 16. And it says, verse 1, Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover unto Jehovah your Elohim, for in the month of Abib, Jehovah your Elohim brought you forth out of Egypt by night. Okay? By night, Israel came out of Egypt. Now, people, you know, they have a hard time with that because we're often very disconnected from the natural events of things. Uh, when I lived in New Mexico, on a night where the full moon was, you could walk across the mesa amongst the cactus relatively unscathed, just by the moonlight because it's so bright. You could recognize someone walking up to you. Now, it's interesting because Israel left Egypt, they went down the highway. I can guarantee you they could walk quite a ways that night. Okay, they went out by night. Now, there's a big full moon. Um, let's go over and look at uh, Exodus 20, uh, 12, verses 15 to 17. Exodus 12, verse 15. says, seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eats unleavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. And in the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation to you. No matter of work shall be done in them, save that every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day, have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt? Therefore, you shall shall you observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. Okay, two different words, two different things. Passover, days of unleavened bread. Okay, days of unleavened bread, Passover, two different things. Passover has to do with passing over. Unleavened bread has to do with leaving Egypt or leaving. Just leave it at that, leaving. In this context, it's leaving Egypt. 
we're going to see that the, there's a lot more to that than we ever understood. Okay? Now, um, go to Exodus 12, verse 40. It says, Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelled in Egypt was 430 years. Now, if we read that, we say, well, okay, they were sojourning 430 years in Egypt. That's not true. Provably, it's not true. Okay? Absolutely not true. Um, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, I'm sorry, the Dead Sea Scrolls Bible, page 44, states the Septuagint and the Samaritan Pentateuch and uh, apparently the Gospel Paul in Galatians 3.17 understood 430 years of Exodus 12, verse 40, to include the three generations from Abraham to Jacob. So that's Septuagint, the LXX, and the Samaritan Pentateuch. And they state, in the land of Canaan and the land of Egypt. So they would say, now sojourning of the children of Israel in the land of Canaan and in the land of Egypt was 430 years. It's important. What we do, we need to study and we need to get all the available information we can and then we have to rightly divide that based on the Holy Spirit directing us. Okay? And we're going to look at this. We're going to see what the significance of the first day of unleavened bread is. Because it's not, it's not just looking back at Egypt. It's looking back all the way back, and it's looking yet in the future. Okay? Um, Go on to verse 41. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the self-same day, it came to pass that all the hosts of Jehovah went out from the land of Egypt. All of them went out. Verse 42. This is important. It is a night to be much observed. That's the night of Shimorim, it's the night of watching. Watching's plural. We're going to see some of the plurality of this night, and it's very important. So it's the night of Shimorim unto Jehovah for bringing them out from the land of Egypt that is that night of Jehovah to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. Now, it's interesting because I've talked to people that get really screwed up about this, and they say, well, you know, the Jews are keeping this. And I say, no, they're not. Because, you see, they're keeping something at the beginning of the 15th, but they say it's Passover, the day late. So what they're doing is they're blending things that should not be blended, okay? They are blending things that should not be blended. Now,
Passover is celebrated at the beginning of the 14th. The night of, of observations is celebrated at the beginning of the 15th. Now, I want to ask a question. This night of watching is incumbent upon us to be watching. Okay? We don't just sit down. We used to, we used to keep this with having a nice meal and everything, and I have no problem with that. But the problem is, when we did it before, everybody's sitting around talking about work and are talking about this and are talking about everything else, and they're not talking about the night of observations, okay? The focus needs to be on the day we're celebrating, okay? The observation needs to be focused on what Jehovah has for us to understand. Now, what happened 430 years before to the day? What that would come out to be 430 years before on the first month, 15th day, right? Now, the sojourning was 430 years, going back up to verse 40. When we look at this, now the sojourning, comma, of the children of Israel who dwell in Egypt, was 430 years. So the sojourning is 430 years. Okay? Because they put in the children of Israel who dwell in Egypt so we, they would understand. And we're going to find out there's more than one date we have to reckon with here. We have 430 years. We have 400 years also. Now, when did this sojourning start? When did the sojourning start? Let's think about this for a minute. Anybody have a suggestion? When is it? Go back and look at Genesis 12. Genesis 12. And in fact, this is not the start either. But this is the start where the count for the 430 years begins. Verse 1 of Genesis 12. Now, Jehovah had said unto Abram, Get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house into a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you, and in you shall all families or tribes of the earth be blessed. Verse 4 is the conditional phrase. Verse 4 is the phrase that makes it so Abraham got those promises. Verse 4. So Abraham departed. What day do you think he departed from? I think the first month, 15th day, I believe at evening, 430 years before the children of Israel left Egypt. This is the point where the sojourning bullet begins. Now, for Abraham, this is not the first point of, of sojourning. This is the point where he came out from Haran. We have to realize 25 years before he came out from Haran, 
he came out from Ur of the Chaldees. And we will see Jehovah called him from Ur of the Chaldees. What do you want to bet? I can't prove it. But what do you want to bet he came out of Ur of the Chaldees on the first month, 15th day, the beginning? I think the evidence uh, does not necessarily completely uh, ironclad prove it, but I think if you look at it and go through um, the logic and read between the lines, they had to leave. They would have been killed. And I think that uh, Brahms' brother was killed. And that's why they left. Uh, we'll talk about that at some other time. Now, here's the interesting thing. In verse 4 of Genesis 12, verse verse 4, So Abraham departed as Jehovah had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. What's that mean? Abraham was 25, or I mean, sorry, 50, when he came out of Ur of the Chaldees. And there's, there's the proofs there. I mean, look at uh, the date of uh, the years of, of uh, Terah, his father, things like that. You can, it's, it's not hard. Now, let's flip over. Hold your hand here. We're going to be coming back to Genesis. Let's go back and look at Galatians 3 17. Galatians 3. 17. It says something really important that we're, you know, uh, fits in with this. And let's see, I think what we're going to do is read verse 16 and 17. Sorry about that. It says, verse 16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said, Not and to seed as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, which is Messiah. Okay, verse 17. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before Jehovah in Messiah the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promises of none effect. Now, there's a lot of words here that are interjected, just like there was in... Uh, Exodus 12, verse 40. Let's look at this. And this I say, okay, that the covenant, comma, let's go down to which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of manifest. What this is saying is very simple. Promises of Jehovah to Abraham carry more weight than the promises given to Sinai. Let me explain why. Remember we talked about this, how that uh, Jehovah had decided that he was going to destroy all of Israel, making great people out of of, uh, Moshe, uh, and we went through all, probably not even all of them, just some of the things that changed. 
when the golden calf was there. You see, the covenant Jehovah had given to Israel at Sinai was the exact same covenant given to Abraham. And it did not have sacrifices. Go back and look. Jeremiah 7, verse 22 and 23, I believe. 21, 22, and 23, right in that general area. Because of the golden calf, all of the sacrifices came in. Okay? Because of that, all of the sacrifices came in. For that, there were not sacrifices. Okay? Now, uh, so what we have here is he's talking about 430 years. He's talking about the promise given to Abraham. He's talking about the law or the covenant of Sinai. Can anyone hear me? 14? Oh. Okay, everybody can hear me now, right? Okay. Beth will post. Okay. Uh, Scattered, can you hear me? Uh, she's in the other room. Uh, okay. Uh, scattered, can you hear me? I don't know. Okay, let's go ahead and hopefully she can. Uh, let me stop and think where I'm at here. Uh, okay, Galatians. Now, it's interesting. It's 430 years from the promise till the giving of the law of Sinai. Now, it's not to the day, uh, which is when they left Egypt, okay, when what he's talking about in Galatians 3 is not to the day, meaning the first day of unleavened bread, but, uh, what, approximately 50 days later, 430 years later, then they had the law, okay? Now, Let's go. Uh, so I think that's pretty clear. Now let's go to let's go to Acts seven, verse six. Acts seven, verse six. We're going to find another. That's going to be four hundred years. Acts seven, verse six. It says. And Jehovah spoke on this wise that his seed should sojourn in a strange land and that they should bring them into bondage and entreat them evil 400 years. And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge. And Jehovah and, uh, said Jehovah, and after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. Now, Acts 7 is talking about the children. Galatians 3 and Exodus 12 is talking about Abraham. Okay? Now, let's look at this. 
Um, okay. And in fact, Acts 7 refers back to Genesis 15. So let's go back there to Genesis 15. Okay, Genesis 15. What we're going to be, uh, we're going to start in verse 5, we're going to go on down. Genesis 15, verse 5. It says, uh, and he brought him forth abroad. Now, Jehovah brought Abram forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if you be able to number them. They said unto him, So shall your seed be. Verse 6 is real important. And he believed in Jehovah, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So Jehovah considered Abraham righteous because he believed in Verse 7, and he said unto him, I am Jehovah that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. There's another proof that Jehovah brought Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. And that confirms or conforms to Acts 7. Jehovah brought Abram out of the Chaldees and uh, he also brought him out from Haran. Now, Abraham sojourned a total of 125 years. He sojourned 25 years in Haran. And 100 years after he left Haran. Okay? Now, let's look at the 430 years. The 430 years started when Abraham came out of Haran. Okay, now let's go to Genesis 15, verse 8. It says, And he said, Jehovah Elohim, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? So here he's saying, he said, Okay, I know I'm going to inherit it. I know when he says that, he knows that his children will inherit it. He's asking, how do I know my children will inherit it? Okay? So he says, he said, and then take of me a heifer at three years old, a she goat at three years old, a ram at three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He took them, all these, and divided them in the midst and laid them in a piece, each piece one against the other, but the birds divided not. When the fowls came down upon the carts of Abraham, drove them away. And what he's doing there's going to be a covenant made. This covenant is very important. Okay? This is the point where Jehovah covenants to Abraham that he will inherit the land and his children will inherit the land. What day do you think this was? And it's interesting because if you go through this, in Genesis 14, Melchizedek comes out with bread and wine. And then you start watching the day and night portions of these things happening. You come to some very interesting conclusions. And in fact, this is the maledictory oath that Jehovah gave to Abraham. Okay? Let's go down to verse 12. It says, 
And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. I'm going to interject. I believe that at that point, Abram understood what would have to happen so he could understand so he could inherit the land and his children could inherit the land. And he understood, I believe, that his friend had to die. That's my opinion. Verse 13, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. Okay? Just like they were saying in, you know, in uh, Acts 7. Now, I think it's something we have to look at, verse 15. And you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. You know what happens here? You see, the promise the promise really only goes, um, let me, I mean, that's not the way to put it. The promises God given to Abraham require eternal life. Abraham's children that went into Egypt and came out from Egypt and went into the promised land all died. They were in the promised land of flesh. They were not in the promised land of spirit, okay? Put it that way. Now, it's interesting here because no of the surety, verse 13, that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. Now, it didn't say, it did not say that they're going to be tortured and afflicted for 400 years, does it? It says, uh, that your seed will be a stranger for 400 years. That's important. Because when we look at this, uh, they were only being subjugated for what, 200, 200 years at least. Okay? Now, Abraham, Abraham's children could be sojourners uh, where they would, uh, let's see, Abraham's children, just, just a second, put your phone on mute, would you please, it's making a huge amount of noise, okay? Sorry about that. Sounds like they're killing rats on the phone over there. I don't know what's going on. Okay. Let's see. Sorry about that. Now, uh, Abraham's children would be sojourners. Uh, then they would go down to Egypt. They were sojourners from the beginning. Okay? Now, the total of Abraham's children sojourning is 400 years. 
Okay, the total of Abraham's children sojourning is, is 400 years. If you remember, if you remember, the 430 years was not all in Egypt. It included Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, let's go on. And it says they will come out in the fourth generation. Now, here's how it, here's how it is. Moses comes out, right? So in the fourth generation, you've got Moses, you've got Amram, you've got Kohath, you've got Levi. So after they're in there, then the 400 or the four generations are Levi, Kohath, uh, Amram, and Moses. Now, the 400 years does not equal the fourth generation. <clears throat> and we're going to look and see where the 400 years starts. It's going to connect back with Abraham and his life. Now, go to Genesis 21. This is an important chapter, and almost nobody pays too much attention to it. <clears throat> Genesis 21, start in verse 1, and we're just going to read down to verse 8. So Genesis 21, says, And Jehovah visited Sarah, as he had said, and Jehovah did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which Jehovah had spoken to him. And in fact, we understand, you know, you go back to uh, Genesis 17, and that was one year before uh, Isaac was born. Verse 3 of Genesis 21. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, being eight days old, as Elohim had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Okay? And Sarah said, Elohim hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. Verse 7. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should give have given uh, children suck, have nursed children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Now, if we would look at the weaning practices of modern women, we would expect, well, maybe six months or a year he's going to be weaned. That's not the way it works. It's interesting. I'll, I'll sort of put this in. I'll probably cut it out of the tape, but it's interesting. I knew someone that went to a Lalichi league, and, uh, and they helped people with breastfeeding. And they, they were they were disgusted. There was a lady there sitting in a chair, and her son was sitting in the chair next to her with his feet on the ground nursing. Some people nurse longer than other people, okay? And I think that's the way it is here. And I, and I think when it talks about weaning here, it means separating. It, it's 
has to do with moving on the side or anything like that. I don't necessarily know if it means, technically it means weaning. But in a child, when he grows, he reaches a certain point and he needs to move from his mother to other things. You stop and think about it, you know, kids go to school when they're five or six. At the time where things have changed for them and they're ready to go on to other things, I think that's what was going on here. Okay? I think that is what was going on. Now, um, what are the ages? What year was, what year by the Queen? That's interesting, isn't it? Let's look at some of these things. Okay, let's go back and look at Genesis 12, verse 4. We're going to start looking at numbers, and we can start adding, subtracting, and showing our higher math skills. Uh, Genesis 12, verse 4. So Abraham departed. Uh, as Jehovah had spoken unto him, Lot went with him, and Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. So if we start with 75 years, right, Abraham is 75 years, let's go to Genesis 17, verse 1. And Abram was 90 and 9 years old when Jehovah appeared to him. And, in fact, he says that uh, he will have a son. We go down, uh, if we look down here in uh, uh, verse 15, and uh, Elohim said of uh, Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give you a son also of her, yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. So here's where the promised seed comes in, right? Now, there's something else here we have to look at. Let's go down to verse 23. And Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day, as Elohim had said unto him. And Abraham was ninety years old and nine when he circumcised when he circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was thirteen years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the selfsame day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael his son. Now Ishmael is 13 when Abraham is 99. When was Ishmael, how old was Abraham when Ishmael was born? He was 86. Okay. Now, Abraham is 86 when Ishmael was born. Uh, plus one year, right? when Isaac would be born. So when Isaac was born, Abraham was 100, and Ishmael is 14. 
Okay. What do we have over here in Genesis 21? We have two potential heirs, Ishmael and Isaac. Now, it says that in Isaac's name will your descendants be. Okay? Now, let's go back and look at at Genesis 21. Let's look at verse 8 and 9. Genesis 21, verse 8. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And this is like, I won't say, I won't say it's a bar mitzvah, because I don't think it is. But it's a, it's a turning point in a child's life where he starts focusing on the things he's going to need to learn. And these people were extremely intelligent and extremely aware of how things work. Okay? There was a lot of learning he needed. Now, let's go down to verse 9. Here's where the tale begins, I think. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, Hagar, the Egyptians, which she had borne to Abraham, mocking. Mocking. Now, that's an interesting word. It can be laughing. It can be, you know, playing fun and having a good time. Or it can have a negative impact. And I believe that's exactly what it was. If Ishmael was happy that Isaac was weaned and was there, Sarah wouldn't have had a problem. That's not the way it was. Matter of fact, uh, let's hold your hand here. Hold your hand here. And let's go to Galatians 4. And we're going to read verses 28 through 30. So Galatians 4. We're going to read verses 28 through 30. Galatians 4, verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. See, Isaac was the promised child, the child of promise, just like Yeshua is the child of promise. Verse 29. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is so it is now. Nevertheless, what says the scripture, cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. You see, there were big problems with Ishmael there. How old how old was Ishmael when Isaac was weaned? Well, let's go back. How old was Ishmael when Isaac was born? He was 14 years old. Now, the thing is, we can know, you can figure by the dates, because this is the point where the 400 years start. When Ishmael is removed from the inheritance, then the promise goes to Isaac. 
and the beginning of the 400 years. You go down 400 years, you cut across, and you come back 430 years, that brings us right back. So we understand from the time that Isaac was born till he was weaned was five years. You know what that means? Ishmael was 19 when he was sent out with Hagar. And let me tell you, I don't know. A young 19-year-old kid can be a rather formidable thing. And I think the little five-year-old would not have succeeded. I think eventually, if Ishmael had stayed, I think Isaac would have died, I believe. Okay? Go back to Genesis 21, verse 9. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne to Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abram, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. This thing was very grievous to Abraham, and Abraham's sight because of his son. And Elohim said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in their sight because of the lad, because of your bondwoman, of your bondwoman. And all that Sarah hath said unto you, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall your seed be called. Okay? That's simple. Jehovah took care of Ishmael. Now, from the point of the sojourning of Abraham's seed begins uh, this, uh, this is the beginning of the 400 years. Now, if we work back, Isaac was weaned at five years old. Ishmael was 19 years old. The sojourning of Israel ended at the beginning of the first day of unleavened bread. All of this stuff connects to that point. Now, the time Abraham left Egypt. Let's see. Um, that's not correct. The time he left uh, Iran. I, okay, let me, I'm going to make a statement. I believe Genesis 15 and Genesis 17 also occurred at the first day of unleavened bread. Why do I say that? Because those were dates that were important. Matter of fact, I would not be surprised if Isaac was not born on the first day of unleavened bread. I don't know. Now, why is this important to us? Why is this important to us? Okay. The night of observation has to do with leaving Ur of the Chaldees 25 years later leaving Haran, and then Egypt. And it has to do with receiving the promise. Abraham wouldn't have received the promise 
he had stayed in Haran. He had to pick up his foot, and he had to put his foot out and start walking. Children of Israel would still be in Egypt if they did not pick up their foot and start moving. important. It's the day you begin acting upon the promises that we make. Now, let's get, let's go from preaching to meddling. How are you doing on your promise to obey Jehovah? Well, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, I don't always do as well as I should. But that does not, that does not, you know, free me from responsibility. I'm still responsible for the promise I made. Now, when Israel left Egypt on the first day of unleavened bread, On the beginning of the 15th at night, were they out of Egypt? No. No, they weren't. They had only begun the tenth journey. They just picked up their foot and started moving. They had taken days to get out of Egypt. Go back and look at Revelation 18. Revelation 18. Something here I find interesting. And actually, it's interesting, but it's very disheartening. Very, very disheartening. Revelation 18. We're going to read the first four verses. Now, we can take this and analogize it away so it doesn't mean anything. We can look at what the words say, what they mean, and apply it to ourselves. Verse 1, Revelation 18. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. He cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great has fallen has fallen has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of their delicacy. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plague. You see, there is a night of observations for you and I, at least one, probably more. Probably more. Go back and look at this for a minute. Let's go over to Revelation 17. I'm sorry, Revelation 12. I want to put this in context. If you go back and look at Matthew 24, it says there's an abomination of desolation is set up. 
Okay? Something evil is going to be set up. I don't know when this is, and I can't, I'm not some great prophet that can spell all this out to everybody and they all go, amen, brother. I'm not. But it's interesting. We look over here at Revelation 12, verse 13. When the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness and do a place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. See, Satan and his minions are coming to destroy you and I. Yes if we hold on to the truth. That was suggested that we pray for our brothers and sisters who are in the hands of ISIS. And I think we should. Because I guarantee you, unless you die an untimely death, those very things will come for you. Okay? Now let's go on and read this. Verse 15. It says, And the serpent cast out of his mouth waters of uh, flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. You see, there are two groups of believers. Two groups of believers. Go back and look at Matthew 24 and understand all of that prophecy. You go through Matthew 24. Wait a minute. Let's just go back and look at this for a second. This is important. The matter of life and death. Matthew 24. I'm not going to go all the way through Matthew 24. Let's start here. Uh, let's start in verse 1. And Yeshua went and departed from the temple. His disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Yeshua said unto them, See you not all these things. Verily I say unto you, There shall not be one left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us. When shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming, of the end of the world, of the age? Sign just in front of us. Yeshua answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. No man deceive you. You know what? Satan has deceived the whole world. Satan's deceived everybody, including us. And what happens is Jehovah and his son Yeshua begin working with us. They start, it's not an instant point, we're out of this. It's just like if you fall into a septic tank. When you get out, they'll scrub you off, but you're still going to smell funny because there's still little bits of something that you don't want on you 
still attached. That's why it says back in Revelation 18, verse 4, come out of her, my people, because we're still in this thing. Go on. Go over here to the end. Verse 45, Matthew 24. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made rule over his house to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant. He's talking about you and me, right? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. You know what? We don't always so do, do we? Verse 47, verily I say in you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Verse 48, but and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delays is coming. He gets weary. He gets tired. He doesn't want to keep going and doing what he's supposed to do. And shall begin to smite his fellow servants to eat and, and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrite. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, for years I stopped right there with the all of that prophecy, but if you look at Matthew 25, verse 1, then, you know what then does? It connects Matthew 25 to Matthew 25, and means we have to keep reading because Matthew 25 is instructional for you and I. And in fact, the wise virgins, the wise virgins are the ones that are taken to the place of safety in the wilderness and protected from the serpent. So foolish virgins, Go back and look at Matthew or Revelation 12. Let's look at the fate of the foolish virgin. Verse 17, Revelation 12. Verse 17, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of Jehovah and have the testimony of Yeshua Messiah. Guess what? Go back and look at Zechariah. Specifically, Zechariah 4. Go back and look at Revelation 11. Zechariah 4, Revelation 11. And look at the whole book of Haggai. You and I need to be rededicated to our covenant with Jehovah. You and I, I'm going to leave you out of this. I need to be rededicated to my covenant to Jehovah. I think you do too. Guess what? There's going to come a day when we are going to step out in faith that Jehovah is true and he will take us to where we need to be. And it it revolves around the holy days. And when it comes to leaving, it revolves around the first day of unleavened bread. If we don't understand this, if we don't understand this, we're in jeopardy. 
it's interesting because you know I talk to people, and if you just do the numbers, they, there's a couple of people I know that keep the Equinox calendar. Now uh, they, you know, they keep the, you know, the calendar that's got uh, spring, summer, fall, winter. And hold on to that. Go down and look at Wikipedia. Look at this article on seasons. Don't get mad because we talk about two seasons. Well, seasons, being having seasons, clearly defined seasons, is a function of, uh, let, me, let me get this, latitudinal altitude. So the higher or the farther away from the the equinox you are, not equinox, the the equator, the farther you are away from the equator, the more pronounced the seasons are. You go down where Israel is, you have basically the cold season and the warm season. Here's the problem. If Israel had not put the blood on the door at the beginning of the 14th, they would never have lived to the 15th. If, if we come to a day of watching and the call is, is to leave now, those people who keep the late or the equinox calendar very well may not even make it to their Passover. Because evil things are coming on this world. Go back and look. Let's go back and look. Matthew 24, something I should have read there. This is how serious it is. Talking about in the land. Verse 15, uh, let's see, let's try verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witnesses unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Verse 15, you know what that means? It's not going to happen until this word of truth goes out to the world. Your job and my job is to proclaim that, be witnesses of that. There are two that will come after us and stand up, but will be the leaders of the two olive branches, the wise the wise lampstand and the foolish lampstand. Okay? Then will the end come. Verse 15, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whosoever reads, let him understand. Go back and read. I'm not saying it's scripture, first Maccabees. And look at that. Because the dedication of the, the temple was desecrated. And then it was reset. It was rededicated. Verse 16 of Matthew 24. Then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. 
Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field turn back to take his clothes. When the time comes to flee, you don't worry about the particulars. You just start picking them up, putting them down, and moving as quickly as you can to where you need to be. And I suggest that possibly this is a night of observations when this happens. How important is it to understand the word of Jehovah? Very important. It's a matter of life and death. And if we do not understand it, you cannot be saved. And as we understand it, we have to conform to what it says. We don't we don't have the right or privilege in our great arrogance to say, Well, I don't think that's the way it really works. Jehovah doesn't care what we think. He is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. Because when Jehovah speaks, he speaks very precisely. He does not manipulate the definitions of words. He makes it very clear so that if you do not follow his direction, your blood is on your head. My blood is on my head. That's simple. I would suggest that we start preparing for Passover. It's really important that we do. Because, you know, if we stop and think, if Israel had decided, that, well, we're going to put the blood on the doorpost at the beginning of the 15th, it all died. If the firstborn would have. Because you see, like the words mean, pass over means passing over. First day of unleavened bread means leaving Egypt. Can't combine the two. Can't. Blend the two. It doesn't work. Let us all turn to Jehovah and follow him. One. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.